Booze and Phasers. I'm Audrey Kearns. And I'm Claudia Dahl. And today we're talking about iconic music from science fiction and horror movies and television. But let's first introduce our guests. Um, Today, so this is going to be kind of difficult for both our guests because your credits are incredible. The whole hour is just going to be listing their credits. It's just going to be listing their IMDb. We'll come back next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll actually have the conversation. Uh, uh, we have photographer Dennis Illick with us today. Um, you photographed people and actors like uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Trisha Helfer, Katie Sackhoff, Liv Tyler, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Edward James Almost, Robin Taylor-Lord, Paul Urban, blah, 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 wow. blah. You've worked on, uh, photographed tons of shows, Dark Matter, Battlestar Galactica, Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potter series. Um, and you've also, you're also the co-founder of Cinematic Pictures Group mm, with yes. TJ Scott. Which uh, TJ did a show with yes. us. He did, forget, just a couple of weeks. I week? forget what episode number was, 20, but it was a uh, lot it was so of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And that's sort of why you're here a little bit mm. today, because you have yeah. a couple of projects that you're working on. Yes, yeah. Do you want to yeah. Tell us about tell that? Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, well, Cinematic Pictures uh, is a, a kind of multifaceted company. It's about sound and vision in, in every sense of the word. But p- part of the thing that TJ and I are very passionate about is publishing. And uh, so we have a couple of books coming out. And that's kind of the focus of what's happening over the next couple of months. Um, we're both developing a, a, a Longmire coffee table book, if people are aware of the Netflix TV series. I love yes, Longmire. Love, love. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of like a modern-day Western yeah. lead actor. is an Australian actor by the name of Robert Taylor. But, of course, if you're into sci-fi, you realise that Katie Sackhoff, uh, Starbuck exactly. from Battlestar, is in it. Well, the lead also, I just Stargate. saw Kong Skull yeah. Island last night. Uh, Longmire. Oh, did you see it? Yeah, the small part mm. in Kong Skull Island. Sorry. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, okay, yeah, I haven't seen that yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that we're doing uh, is a book that I, it's been a passion project goes back 10 years, really, from my first uh, work on the set of Battlestar Galactica, and I started shooting actors then, and that's a book called Men of Science Fiction. So this book has been literally been 10 years in the making, but we kickstarted it recently, and it did really well, and we just received all our copies last week to go out oh, to our Kickstarter. So, cool. so um, that's we've got a big launch event for that coming up, uh, and uh, it's, it's a very... It, it started off being called Men of Science Fiction because... It was about sci-fi actors, but then it's kind of it, it became more of a man of genre because there are Spartacus actors in there and Gotham, and, right? But right. you know the the acronym whatever for men of genre Mog wasn't as cool as <laughs> MOSF, you know. So we sort of stuck with MOSF, and then of course we had a little bit of a conflict with um, the um, the MOSF hashtag because before, well, probably actually about the same time, or well, I think we were probably a bit earlier, there's a thing called the Museum of Science Fiction. Yes. So, yes. so yes, we we've been in contact with them and, you know, that we're sort of saying, okay, let's let's pimp each other rather than try to shut each other down sort exactly. of thing. So, yeah. So, and they're really great guys. So, well, yeah, so, they're, they're great people. And yeah. I think when you get into science fiction genre stuff, you find that everybody really does want to help each other yeah. out. Yeah. You know, mm. it's a yeah. That's what yeah. the that's what this whole thing is so well known about is is the kindness and and the connection of everybody involved in mm. sci-fi is what it's all about. You know, cool, so, yeah. cool. The nerds are ruling the world, man. That's right. Finally, we're finally old enough and have a little. No, we're all in our yeah. <laughs> we're all middle age now. <laughs> but that's why it took so long, you know, because now we we know how to set things up yeah. and how to <laughs> exactly. we can spend money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also have composing. Composer, excuse me, Evan Schletter here today. Hi, Evan. Hello. Are you, you guys that are me. listening right now, you know that really kick-ass intro you just heard? Yeah. Evan composed that. He's. You also know him from Mr. Show with Bob and David, uh, Drawn Together, Drunk History, The Birthday Boy, Boys, Thrilling Adventure Hour, With Bob and David, Another Period, Stand Against Evil, 
SpongeBob SquarePants, just to name a few. You and you're a mean theremin player. <laughs> very mean. <laughs> yeah. He's very angry. Really rude to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Evan. You're quite welcome. But you're also Thanks I didn't even write this down, but you're also doing Paul F. Tompkins. Um, oh, Spontaneous Nation. Yes. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Tompkins. Yeah. Stone on his name. He'll appreciate that. They're <laughs> <laughs> all I've done for you. You can't even get my name out. <laughs> Before we press record, uh, Dennis asked you what you what you enjoyed playing most recently, and it is the theremin. That's, yeah. yeah. Why are you so into the theremin right now? Well, the, the theremin became like a mania. Uh, it's really hard to play, so it, it was years before I actually got good enough to where I thought, hey, if I practice, I can actually make music with this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, But you have to be so still when you play it, because every motion changes the pitch, uh-huh. that it it's the closest I've ever come to actually being in a meditative state. And I think that's kind of what pulls me into it. You have to really, to me, the way I play it, it you have it's like a very touchy-feely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without touching anything. Mm-hmm. But you have to sort of be at one with the melody. You have to know, you have to feel the melody. It's all relative uh, spatial. You're grabbing it in the air. And it's never exactly the same twice. It's not like a regular instrument where you can go, you know, right there, that's a C. Or right there, that's an A. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the room, depending on the stage. It's all relative, right. so you kind of find your pitch, and then you take it from there. So, but I think that translates to the audience as well. Like I think the audience experiences that sort of meditative state as well because we're all watching you. We know because uh, Evans also done a variety show that I do, uh, and he always plays the theremin, and we sort of like clear the stage, make sure yeah. nobody's around, <laughs> and everybody just watches. But it's like this incredible experience because everybody is focused on your performance and this amazing sound that comes out and it's just we're able to really um concentrate i think and experience what is going on and you know this day and age when a lot of times when you're watching a performance or something it's so easy to like get on your phone or you're taking right. pictures or you're recording where you can't do that with this yeah you have to yeah. be engaged and focused and i have to say that kind of blows my mind i'm always surprised that i was always worried playing it live that it would be the most boring thing because you have to be so still I cannot be David Lee Roth about it, you yeah. know, <laughs> running around the stage, you know, or Yngwie Malmsteen, I saw yeah. him live. He'd, he'd throw the guitar up in the air. As he caught it, he'd do a riff on the For neck and then whip it around his fan, neck and all that stuff. Metal fans out there. Yeah, so, yeah. Yngwie uh, J. Malmsteen. Look at <laughs> yes. uh, Amazing guitar player. It was like seeing Spinal Tap. Seeing yeah, my, yeah. Sorry, my Yngwie tangent. I, I, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen for I not the it. reasons that he would have wanted it. But, um, but anyway, but that kind of showmanship, you can't do. You yeah. have to stand totally still. And so I always figured, that'll be boring, right? But I guess there is something to watching somebody, like, have that concentrated, like, don't screw it up look on their well, face while they're yeah, trying exactly. to uh, I mean, People aren't really familiar it. with a theremin. Yeah, and, it's a unique it's instrument. A, it's a unique instrument. So watching you play it and watching all these little, just every little body motion that you do affect the music is 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 quite something else. It's, it's yeah, really awesome. And just so everybody knows, Thank Scout you. is here. Too. You probably hear scratching. him panting <laughs> and scratching. You guys, he has anxiety right now because he tore a ligament. And so I gave him a Benadryl because the doctor told me to. So now he's tired and he's itchy and he's panting. But it looks like he might fall asleep right now. I have Donnie Prozac I could have brought. Yeah. My dog's on Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> but I have one more question about the theremin, yeah. <laughs> Evan. Like, what was the, like, I mean, of course, every instrument that you learn, um, I say this as not knowing how to play one instrument, uh, I would assume has, has like, a learning curve and everything. Was yeah. Were you the most, uh, were you scared about learning this one at all? What, how long did it take you to, to master it? Way longer than I thought it would. I, I 
got kind of cocky because I usually pick things up relatively quickly. Um, except for guitar took me a little bit, but once I got guitar, then I could get bass and because yeah. you know, my hand just wouldn't go. But um, so I got one thinking, how hard can it be? I had tried one once and I knew it was a little difficult, but I figured I'll get it. And interestingly, it's your theme was the thing that I bought the theremin to do, that movie. Oh. It was a low-budget, uh, goofy, super low-budget science fiction comedy uh-huh. called Welcome Space Brothers, which is out there online somewhere. <laughs> um, and so that theme is what is oh, given to I you for it. your show. But that's the first thing I ever uh, recorded with theremin. And um, it took me a million years to get that track right. Uh, it was one of those, I, I finished, I sent away for the theremin from the Bob Moog company. And uh, while it was coming, I was finishing the whole score and I had like whistled or put piano in different parts for where that theme would, for where that would come in. I figured I'll just throw it down and, you know, I'm in the privacy of my own place. Time is not money. I can just take my time and do it. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> it was so wow. hard. So I ended up having to like Frankenstein take, I can actually play it now the way you hear it. But at that time, I had to Frankenstein huh. a bunch of takes together. To Do you ever think you walk into your house and you see a theremin and you're like, I'm going to go jam on that right now? Have <laughs> <laughs> a jam session? Yeah, have a jam session. I, uh, yeah, you know what? I actually, uh, I, I got a second theremin because I wasn't practicing enough and I needed to do that. Because yeah. I, like, I, I don't want to, you know, it sounds so lazy, but I, get, I, I don't get a lot of sleep. So <laughs> the idea of like, I'm going to practice a theremin, that means... Then I got to open the thing and set it up. And my main theremin, you got to screw on these big legs. And then you get, oh, forget it. I'll just go to sleep. So, but I wanted one where it's just, it's set up. And so, yeah, then I do play around on it. So it helps <laughs> to actually play. Well, thank you to for indulging me yes. in, all my, in all my questions there. Claudia, let's get to our, our sponsors. First of all, uh, thank <laughs> you. A uh, big shout out to Giant Size Team Up, our network that we are on. Giant Size Team Up. Giant Size Team Up. Uh, check them out, <laughs> giantsizeteamup.com. They've got a great uh, bunch of uh, nerd podcasts on that network. At network, please check them out. We're the only vagina. We're, we're their vaginas. <laughs> we are. We are. They don't have any ladies over there. Yeah, yeah. Just us. <laughs> <laughs> There's only room for one. <laughs> and by one, I mean two, both but of ours. Two, but we, and we are very tall ladies. So yes. we, count as, we count as four. And who, do, who else do we have? Uh, Devotion Vodka. Thank you so much for uh, uh, being our sponsor for these almost 30 episodes. I know. Um, America it's made, crazy. gluten-free, sugar-free, um, award-winning, delicious vodka. The coconut flavor is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I like the cosmos. With a little soda water, a little lime. That's it. Thanks, Devotion Vodka. Thanks. And now that we said that, it's time for Shatter oh, Tweets. Oh, yeah, Shatter Tweets. Oh, gotta pull those up. Shatner. Shatner. Tweets. Shatner Tweets. I have to sing it. Yeah, so this is a point in our podcast where we read what William Shatner has tweeted this week. And sometimes it's really... He, as like he I don't know if anybody say, follows William Shatner oh, yeah. on He likes to Twitter. say cray a lot, which is a reflection he, of oh, what, what he's doing. This isn't, uh, this isn't one that I um, picked up, but he was very excited because he uses a lot of emojis. There goes Scout. Yeah, I'm trying That's to get to him. That's quite the concert. I know. So there are new emojis coming out in June, and William Shatner, of course, tweeted about it because he's a huge um, emoji user. Mm-hmm. He's very excited. Very Do you think excited. he's jealous of Patrick Stewart that Je- Patrick Stewart's playing poop in the emoji oh, I movie? Th- I don't think he would even like address that at all. <laughs> um, he was uh, particularly fascinated. I guess there's going to be a breastfeeding emoji, um, and he okay. he focused on that one. He's like, huh. 
Looks like a cowlick. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so this is a weird, so this is doesn't really make any sense. So he was uh, answering this tweet and trying to be cheeky with this woman, Kayla. She said, a lot of people, because, okay, so he's been on this tear. He's trying to get the Bachelor, whoever that guy is, kicked off Dancing with the Stars. He's very good friends with Tom Bergeron. Uh-huh. So he's supporting Tom Bergeron. He's, he hates this one guy, though, and wants this guy kicked off Dancing with the Stars. I know, it's bizarre. And so somebody chimed in at Kayla, K- Kayla Lorraine. She goes, a lot of people are talking about you trying to get the Bachelor dude off Dancing with the Stars. Three of my radio stations talked about it. He said, as a cheeky response, um, a thinking emoji, how many radio stations do you have? And then this Rhonda chick chimed in and goes, at William Shatner, dried up piece of shit, <gasps> never liked you, no one did, reason why your sorry ass is broke, fuck off. What the what? Oh, wow. What the what? So weird. So this other woman chimed in at Kathleen Stewart. Uh, well, that was unpleasant. And then he, totally ignoring what the crazy lady said, said, are you talking about your avatar? So Kathleen's avatar is her hugging Mark Hamill. Oh. <laughs> and so, of course, he has to oh. dig into Bill. And that's what I have today. That's fantastic. Yeah. Otherwise, it's all Dancing with the Stars tweets. <laughs> so we're going to talk about uh, music, iconic music in, in, in sci-fi and horror, television and movies. So we... we Put this out to some of our fans on Twitter, and we picked a couple tweets of uh, uh, ones that they liked. At Puck90 said, uh, Psycho set the stage for horror. I also like uh, Firefly, including the lack of th- sound in space, which I think BSG did first. I'm just, yes. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that. They, they did, I they love did. what they did with the sound in space, which was not to have it. Um, at Nerdiant said, Mad Max Fury Road, Oblivion, Inception, Serenity... Moon, that's the one by Duncan Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, Interstellar. At um, Motu, okay, I got spelled this. I can't say it. Ink says. It's Ink says, but his handle is M-O-T-U-R-O-A-I-S. I don't know. Anyway, um, pretty sure Trek and Wars, meaning Star Trek and Star Wars, have top honors in the sci-fi, <laughs> in the, in the sci-fi <laughs> category. Um, Exorcist, Halloween, Thai... Exorcist and Halloween tie for horror. And then, of course, Kai Erickson <laughs> had to say see no. He has to always pimp himself. Yeah, it said see no evil too. But he has a good point. I will talk about the composers for see no evil too. Did we have any other tweets? Uh, no, I think that was it. Well, I just posted this other tweet from um, Jay Hammond C just because it was a really nice thing to say. Because I've gotten to the point where I need booze and phasers each week. Audrey Kearns and her group of nerds provide oh. me with some of my favorite content. So thank you. That's awesome. Jay Hammonds. Jay Hammonds. Um, so we'll just sort of like go round robin, I think, and just everybody. Um, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll Evans? start. Are you, oh, are I the, thought you were putting me. I'm looking down. I'm looking down. No, okay, you start. We'll end with, we'll, we'll go do a round. We'll talk. And oh, if, wait, do we want to do any muse coverage? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, are we supposed to do muse? Or do yeah. you want to just go straight to music? Let's go straight to music. music. I mean, yeah. there's some trailers and some posters that came out. Nothing huge happened. Um, rest in peace, Bernie Wrightson, who was an yes. iconic um, horror yes. uh, artist. Uh, he created the Swamp Thing with Len Wein. Um, we did a piece on it at Geek Girl Authority. So 
um, go check that out. Uh, he was pretty, he had a pretty uh, incredible shout out from the Twitterverse and from people that he, he influenced. So. Yeah, especially I really liked the one that Guillermo del Toro yeah. basically saying that he influenced everything that he ever did. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. really know what an incredible artist someone is when right. your icons are celebrating right. yeah, it was them. So yeah. It's sad to lose somebody like that, but appreciative that we have his work. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, I'll just do, uh, just because we're all fans, and we were talking about it before um, uh, we, we, we all came in here, is I, lo- I do love the soundtrack for, for Battlestar Galactica. I love the, oh the use of music of in, in all of them. I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that that's Bear McCreary's first television series, I believe, that, yeah. that he did. And he's gone on, like, Walking Dead, Defiance, mm-hmm. Outlander. He's just amazing. But um, evidently there's two themes that for the first season, there's a North American theme and then the theme that the rest of the world heard, which had the the song, the female singing. But starting in the second season, they started playing the whole thing. The guy everywhere. The what? The guy Yes, yes, yes. The first season, they, they, they didn't put that. But um, yeah, so that's my vote. If anyone wants to say anything about Battlestar Galactica. Well, I, loved, I, I did love it. It's one of my favorites, one of my favorite television shows. And one of the reasons... Well, I wasn't dating him at the time, so it doesn't count. But I didn't watch my boyfriend's series as on at the same time just because I loved Battlestar so much. Sorry, Kai. Um, but uh, yeah, I was reading something on Reddit um, about how and why they threw that Gaia tree mantra. And I don't know if anybody else has heard this, but mm. I guess Edward James almost must have been at a heard it at a yoga studio or in a yoga class and and actually said, why don't we throw really? this in? Yeah, I talked to Bear McCreary about it and said, why don't we put this? I mean, I don't know. Sounds like it. an Eddie thing to do. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was like that's what they heard is that he had heard it in a yoga class. and But, it, you know, even just randomly hearing the yoga class, I teach yoga and I practice yoga. It's a big part of my life. It fits perfectly. Mm. For yeah. me, it fits perfectly with the whole series and, you know, what it sort of, you know, speaks to and. I have a weird thing with it. I've only seen the, was it a miniseries at first? The first yes, six yes, episodes? Yes. So here's, <laughs> all right, now bear in mind, I used to subscribe <laughs> to Fangoria magazine. Okay. I was such a horror gore junkie. And I made my own little <laughs> magazine in high school where I'd rate, review movies and I'd have two reviews, the quality of the movie and how much gore was in it. So I've seen all kinds of horrific crap all through my life. Mm-hmm. But when I had kids, and also after seeing the movie Solo. First, it was the movie <laughs> Solo by uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini uh-huh. that resensitized me to violence. It made me very really? sensitive to, like, what you're really watching when you watch a violent movie and what it's really doing. Um, so that's a whole other discussion. But so <laughs> by the time Battlestar Galactica came on, it was it, my life took such a weird turn in terms of my film and TV fandom because so many things would come out that normally I would have been like, boy, when I was 18, I would have been all over this. Now, what happened with Battlestar Galactica was I loved those six, but there was, uh, and then we started, I guess, the first official season. And they're doing this thing where they're jumping time. Yeah. And they have a chalkboard with how many human beings are left alive. Mm-hmm. And one of the ships gets left behind. Mm-hmm. And so they erase the numbers. And now it's like <laughs> thousands left. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I couldn't. It just freaked me out so much. And, like, I was in su- every episode. 
I was way more stressed than you should be watching mm-hmm. that right. show. I cried yeah. every episode. Right. I couldn't yeah. handle it. It was yeah. like, yeah. It, I didn't want to watch it anymore because it was too painful. Yeah. And like that what that one character, the one like turncoat guy who's helping the Cylons on the side or whatever. And I was like, oh, I want to kill him. And I just couldn't <laughs> take it. But at the same Gaius. time, I did Gaius recognize Gaius. that their musical approach to like the musical space music. battle scenes yeah were quiet and like the drum beat thing. I'm like, yes. that is badass. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so it was one of those things. So I got through it and my wife turned to me during that. So one episode, you, we really shouldn't be watching it. I'm like in a ball on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Can we watch something? And I, it's one of those, I filed it away to like, I'll be ready for this later. And I know, and I know this is really good. And, um, you know, I loved the old series when I was a kid. I so, did, too. But, um, but it's, yeah. I loved so much what they did with the old series. Yeah. I mean, also in that miniseries part, I mean, you have the old series. They had all the stuff. Oh, we had to leave our planet. So yeah. you see them on a ship. Yeah. It's just like in the original Star Wars and they blow up Alderaan. It's, yeah. It's, you know, then I see the new Star Wars with my kids and I turn and they look like the audience <laughs> watching Springtime for Hitler, you know. Because <laughs> well, you, know, you don't see the effects of anything right. in the originals of the, right. all of these. And this... That opening episode in the very, very first Battlestar Galactica, I mean, you get that sense. Yeah. You know, how many people are going to fit on that ship that's leaving? Yeah. You know, it's like the, the, the lifeboat that only has room for 12 and there's 20 yeah. people trying to get on. I mean, <laughs> yeah. horrifying and difficult, but also incredibly well done. Yeah. And both both series are, are, you know, like people refer to the 80s series as being a little bit more camp and like everything that was done in those days and Battle, Buck Rogers and all those things. But both shows are about genocide. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, yeah. they're really... It's very heavy material, and of course, the current reincarnation of the show was about every relevant thing that's happening in the world today, which mm-hmm. is why it's you know it just happened to be painted on you know the marquee of space, you know, rather than anywhere else. But which kind of made it yeah. a little bit more palatable for some people because yeah. they they can kind of separate themselves by saying, okay, well, it all takes place in space, so yeah. I can yeah. handle it a little better. Right. But like you said, it is yeah. it is it genocide. I mean, aware. a whole yeah. people are. Basically down to whatever was up on the board, twenty eight thousand people yeah, in was, one episode, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. were killed. And I think, well, I don't know. It's, is there spoilers for your audience for this? If they've oh, seen oh, all that, I'm oh, so yeah. sorry. because yeah. um, I think someone took because that, that was like, oh, I can't take it. And then so we moved on to something else. But then I think someone told me, goes, you know, they go back in that episode and find that shit. Yeah, they erased them. They've been living with the pain for years. Oh my god, I didn't. I didn't let myself see them. They get another thousand people back. Yeah, they get another thousand people back. Anyway, what's a what's a film or television score that you really like, Evan? Film wise, I I when I was a kid, it was a lot of Godzilla. So I loved that, and I had I. Pulled some files, Charles. Please, quick couple seconds, because everyone should recognize this if they're a Godzilla fan. Um, this little thing would run through my head whenever I'd play games. <laughs> I'd play with my toys and have distract d- destruction and be a giant monster, you know. Um, but I love I, that you have a soundtrack to whatever yeah. activity that you were doing. Yeah, we'd be and running that, yeah, yeah, we did. I love yeah. Godzilla and. Strangely, my favorite Godzilla movie, also I love the music in it too, uh, is Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, which tons of people hate, which I don't mm-hmm. get. I love that movie. It's super weird. It's got weird animated interstitials. It's got a great commentary on pollution. It's got a weird musical score. In addition to this great, the, in the American version that I saw, this great song, Save the Earth, it's got this giant monster 
theme when Godzilla's walking with these horns going, you know, which (laughs) is so fun. Um, So from when I was very young, Godzilla movies were a a big thing for me. And then, of course, Star Wars was big. And I was the kid on the block who actually had the score and listened to the entire score, not just the theme. And became that that was one of the puzzles in the pieces that be, that that one of the puzzle pieces that turned me into a film score nerd yeah. that I became. But um, it was Rocky, and then that, and then oh, the Good, yeah. the Bad, and the Ugly, and that hooked me into Morricone, and then I was off and running. Aww. Uh, but uh, and also um, Planet of the Apes. Cool. Oh my gosh, And I love the TV great. series too. That had yeah. cool music. Oh, Lalo man. Schifrin. I haven't seen the TV series forever. Has anybody ever re-released that anywhere? Or is it on no, any streaming? I, or? So. I have not seen it. I I do have, and I couldn't find it. I was going to pull it for this. I oh do God, have the yeah. uh, the soundtrack for the TV series yeah, yeah. that they finally. So many of these, so many great scores didn't get released for year for decades. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um. Ghostbusters is another one that, like, the score album never got released yeah. until... It's always been the soundtrack. Yeah. What, what, what is it behind that? Why, why aren't the scores getting released? I think in some cases they figure there's just not enough money in it. Yeah. And, ma- and oh, maybe okay. there's too... You know, they got to pay for mastering and organizing right. all that stuff. And then also I think there was... The rules changed. It used to be a union thing also because you'd have to pay all the... Oh, an entire orchestra's worth of performance. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to say yeah. the licensing would have been... So I think yeah. that's a big part of it. Um but I think they got new rules now, and that's why some things have started popping up. Um, another great science fiction score that was a was one of these holy grails for soundtrack people uh, was the, uh, the Black Hole, which is now on oh iTunes. Oh, my gosh. So, um, Black Hole creeped me out as a kid. And yeah. so when I hear that movie or that, that music now, I still go back into that. It does not hold up. If you watch Black Hole now, <laughs> it is not... Well, That's scary. why they're remaking it, hopefully. So. The movie itself, I found... <laughs> the end of it freaked me out. Yeah. For whatever reason, it freaked me out as a child. 2001 Junior Oh, my ending. gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's like and the, the mu- I just, oh, I, I can feel it in my stomach now. I'm like... Oh. Anything um, with Max von Sydow is going to be worth watching again, anyway, whether yeah. it holds up or not. Yeah. That whole cast. Oh, uh, well, I mean, it doesn't frighten me like, no. now. Like, but I can see how that would terrify you. It's only terrifying. you're going to hell at the end. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, and I think growing up in the South and, the, you know, you're like... You grow up in the church and like you're going to hell. Anything you do, and it doesn't <laughs> and occur like, to you. This robot's going to hell. Yeah. Oh it doesn't occur to you that it's very silly that this yeah. big silhouette of a robot is down there overlooking <laughs> it all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but that movie is like when I was thinking about that one. You know, today come thinking of coming. Oh yeah, the black hole. It's one of those. Oh, the music is so much better than the movie. And I realized yeah. most of that movie is better than the movie. In other words, <laughs> the actors are top Great notch. Actors. Yeah. Uh, the set design, it, it the look of it has a vibe of like the old Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, like this feels like classic Disney, mm. and the music is so great, except for the marches where like the <laughs> when it's when John Barry is being John Barry, it's gorgeous. When he's trying to be John Williams, it's like okay, okay, we can skip those tracks. The <laughs> dun, ba, da, da, type stuff, but that sweeping main theme and all the stuff that sounds like that is great. And and then it's I can even forgive the really dorky looking robots. But just some of the dialogue is so wooden, and yeah. it's like even these great actors can't save it. Yeah. But uh, it's an interesting movie, though, still. It's got a great, a lot of great things in it. But there is a remake in the works at the moment. Or still, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. yeah. Though, I think um, a friend of mine, John Spates, was sort of working on a rewrite for it. He did, obviously, um, uh, Passengers. and mm-hmm. um, Yeah, so I, I know he was working on a rewrite. A script for it a couple about a year ago, so oh, they're, they're definitely talking about remaking the Black 
oh, but I don't know where it's at. You know, these things sort of come and right. then go and then come and then go. What's but, one of your favorite um, uh, soundtrack scores, Dennis? Um, we're talking about this, uh, but I think it, it really, it always comes back to Evangelos. In, the Light Runner. Runner. Absolutely. Um, and most recently, yeah. the only, you know, I, I like, you know, I'm a soundtrack collector and the one that I've been, that most recently had me playing them, playing it a lot was M83, you know, the Oblivion soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that a lot. There were, there were parts of it that were quite busy and, and, and loud, but there are aspects of that soundtrack that I really, really enjoy. It, you know, um, Oblivion, whether people, whether you liked it or not, it, it felt like a big film. Yeah. Are you talking about the, the Tom Cruise one? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. just on TV the other day. I got, yeah. I got wrapped up in it. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of movies that come come out now and it feels like watching an episode of TV on in a cinema, you know. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, Oblivion felt, it felt like, you know, how I felt when I was watching sci-fis in right, the 70s yeah. and 80s, you know. Yeah. Right. It was, it was big, you know, and the music was big, you know. The yeah. The 83 score was beautiful, you know, and... Uh, um, you know that that's it's a bit of a lost art now to make yourself feel like you're in a in a in a film that is is huge. How know? do you feel about and this is and oh. music is an important part of that. Exactly, Such an agree. Important part of how that. do you feel about uh, how do you guys feel about Arrival? Uh, I, I'm asking you because yeah. you you said about Vangelis yes. and he's not doing the new Blade Runner, yeah. but Johan Johansson, yes. who did Arrival, is doing the new Blade yes. Runner. So yeah. I'd be curious what you. I thought I, of that I re- one. I really, we watched it the other day. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, 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 I found it a, a film that I want to, it's one of those films where I think you, you pick up more through multiple viewings. Right, um, right, right. But mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's what, um, to me, it's, it's about less is more, you know. Yes. Under, I agree. Understatedness yeah. is, and subtlety yeah. is, is what yeah. is beautiful today in a, in a world where we're just being bombarded and smashed in the face with mm-hmm. barbed mm-hmm. wire baseball bats every day with everything. You know, yeah. And people don't have any sense of subtlety anymore and the beauty mm-hmm. of subtlety, you know. And I thought it was a very subtle film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was just a great mystery. It was just beautifully made. Yeah. Really well, back it. to uh, Blade Runner and, and Vangelis, what was it about? Because was that... One of the first completely electronic, right? Those all synthesizer. It's it's right. not guys, really the first, but it's yeah. the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I look, it's you know you know it's it. Every time my playlist is on it at home, something comes up from that soundtrack all the time. Yeah. I listen to it to this day, and I mean, how old is that film now? Thirty five years. Yeah. yeah, I'm still listening to that music yeah. every day, every day, and that yeah. says something. It's and also, you yeah. can always tell when someone, like, if you're watching a, a science fiction show or a movie, if they were influenced by yeah. Blade Runner 2. Like, my husband will turn to me and they're like, oh, they're trying to do Evangelist right here. They're mm. trying to, you know. Yeah. It was, I think you hear it in a lot of different places. Yeah. And, um, well, one of the things that, well, science fiction, as a genre, you want to go into a world. Yeah. And a great score helps pull you into that world. And the Blade Runner score totally does that. That's why you want to keep hearing it afterwards. Right. You want yeah. to... It just it, certain. Uh, the best way I can always des- I could I describe it with scores is there's ones that just make me go crazy and you can't quite yeah. like the good, the bad, and the ugly is like that too. And it's not just you know what's interesting and in what they did musically. It's the full package. Like you want to go swim in that reverb way in the background. What is that? What atmosphere it's creating? And and the Blade Runner score is so great with that. Yeah. And um and melodic and it's got mm. themes that stick in your head. But it just paints such a beautiful picture and it matched the movie perfectly. 
Oh yeah, it matched the yeah. world I mean, perfectly. The, the tone quality, yeah. it just it yeah. was like a tone color thing that matches the visuals yeah. perfect. Uh, it's go- it's gorgeous. I think that's sort of been lost recently. You know, we're talking a bit about that. Like I don't I don't feel like there's a whole lot of soundtracks now because I used to collect mm. soundtracks all the time. Mm. I mean, I had Braveheart, I had Less yeah. Than the Mohicans, I had mm. John Williams, I had all you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We had on constantly. We had mm. we, we had these things called albums, yeah. <laughs> and we put them on the record player. Um, but you know, there were a couple of movies that sort of um, when I saw Gravity, whether you like the movie or not, the soundtrack really attracted me to that mm. movie. The use of, again, silence, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. first shot, there was the silence, and then the, the soundtrack was so incredible. And then, um, this isn't necessarily a sci-fi movie, and Quentin Tarantino's pretty good about this, but we, I went and saw The Hateful Eight. I listened to that soundtrack, and I was like, I mean, it was fantastic. It was mm. amazing. It was such a huge part of the movie and I was like this is I love this I loved it I, I bought it immediately you know when you were able to but that doesn't happen all the time yeah. anymore you no, don't no. get these you don't big... buy the soundtrack of every film you go to right. see no I used like, to yeah. and Same, um, so. which by the way that movie a lot of it was John Carpenter's The Thing yes mm-hmm. Ennio Morricone score doing yes that. exactly um, was yeah. in The Hateful I was like hey yeah, yeah. Uh, portions if I'm not mistaken that were not in The Thing but on the score album yes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which my dad so home. I was like, cool. Yeah. Um, that's always been a mixed bag for me, by the way, with Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. I get pulled out because I'm such a score nerd that you're watching the story and you go, hey, he's always, yeah. it's Death Rides a Horse. I love that <laughs> story. Okay, yeah. wait, what was going on here again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, all, you know, I wonder sometimes, I, I saw there's a great interview with uh, um, Elmer Bernstein on the DVD of Man with a Golden Arm. And it's kind of depressing, but my little limited experience in TV, and I've done indie films and I've done one, you know, big studio movie that was awful and it's not science fiction. But um, <laughs> but I think things are different now, basically, than what a lot of these classic stories yeah. are talking about. And in his interview, he was basically saying he was doing, he had an epiphany while he was conducting a Greatest Hits concert. And it was that if he had to do all this stuff now, and that was now, you know, it was DVD, so how long ago yeah. it goes? <laughs> um, he couldn't do it because... Earlier on, like this came from an interview with the man with the golden arm, which was known as like the first fully jazz score. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he told Otto Preminger, I think the whole score should be jazz, not just source music, but the score itself. And and Preminger was like, well, you're the music guy. You do what you need to do, whatever you think is right. That's not how it goes now. Now it's like there's editors have already cut in music from a bunch of other movies. Uh mm. They call it temp scoring, temporary, yeah. supposedly. But you're constantly told, just imitate, do something like that. Yeah. So you're robbed of your ability to look at the movie cold. You're already being told where they want music. Hmm. Instead of being able to decide for yourself as a composer where it should go and what it should be, you might have a very different idea from them, which they're robbing themselves of a creative person's input. Yeah. Not everyone does this, but certainly I have found, as I've been working for now 20 years, it's way more like that now than it was when I started. Hmm, interesting. And uh, in certain places, it's egregious. It's just just imitate. Then you're painting by numbers. Um, so uh, yeah, that might have something to do with it. I think is that that it's not that composers aren't doing as good a job. It's that they're handcuffed before they can start. Like well, like a lot of things. It's you know they want to rely on what they know is going to be successful. And so yeah. it's all about safety now and yeah. ensuring the dollar and. The- and there's an element of just trust there. They don't seem to want to trust the composer that they could add a whole other layer to this thing. Vital, vital, 
vital part of it's, the movie. Yeah. The What's a vital part? And I think sometimes when you're when when there's somebody on high crunching numbers and trying to get the movie out, they're not thinking of um, that. It's a vital part of the artistic experience of a movie. You know, bringing the director together with the art director together with the composer, and those are all pieces of the puzzle yeah. of mm-hmm. making a good piece of art. And I think in some for for movies that come out that are that come out so quickly, that's just not important to some people. That being said, like uh, Dennis and Evan recently say in the last five or 10 years, what's like, what's a score? You were saying Oblivion earlier. Mm -hmm. What's a score where you're like, wow, they really spent that really helped the movie. They really spent a lot of time for me. Get out. Loved the music. Which is Loved just, the movie. Just came out. It just came out. Yeah. I just bought the I score. Seen it yet. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. It's really good, guys. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. Uh, and I just read a thing about it too. That um, so there's this. I can. I you know. I pull it up. I'll play you just yeah. a little something. So this Me is too. this is the theme from it. Um, let's see if I... and this is Michael Abels is the composer. And so it's creepy. And this is Swahili. It apparently translates to runaway. And the title uh, is also in Swahili. And it apparently translates to listen to your ancestors. Oh. I love that movie well, so Well, Jordan Peele is such so a horror much. fan, too. So yeah, and it yeah. shows. That, that well, that just puts that. you right. That gets you, I mean, that gives you goosebumps like just the, listening to it. That's like it's, a 70s kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. It's one of those movies that has enough retroness of... Clearly, this guy watched a bunch of horror movies, and it makes you feel like the Wicker Man, and yeah. visually yeah. and sonically, and the score works great throughout. Um, and I, what I, what made me so excited about it, and obviously, there's the big social issues that it covers that have been, that's been talked about it. Yeah. But putting even that aside, it's still just a great, well done horror movie, and um, and the kind of horror movie that I haven't seen in so long. Because again, I told you, Salo made me very sensitive to these uh-huh. violent movies. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Gosh, I watched all those Friday Thirteenth movies. Another iconic score. Yeah, great, right? <laughs> oh, it's haunting me. Now your computer's it's haunting you. Um, oh no! But um, horror, the horror genre sort of went onto this left turn into just pure sadism for a long it's time. Like yeah. It's all torture porn. Yeah, torture porn. It's murder. It's yeah. and everything. Just you, you finish it, and it's just grim and bleak and, and a big nightmare. Yeah. 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 This movie had me agitated yes like crazy it, it goes after you psychologically it was, yeah which which a lot of those movies that you're talking about don't it's just about how gory can we be yes. inside but the, this one makes you think but it was satisfying and it's, it, oh yeah it's and well i don't done. want to ruin any yeah. but i loved how it ended i loved yeah. how it ended yeah and uh so it was it's just the kind of horror movie they haven't made in so long that that it's like oh yeah this is why the genre is so great yeah um, other than oblivion were there any other movies recently that came out dennis that uh, the you know, soundtracks jumped out at you, or the score? The, the whole thing is that I, um, just because of the nature of my work and my life at the moment, I don't oh. get the time to sort right. of, um, go to the movies. And right. sadly, I haven't, you know, besides um, uh, Arrival, I haven't seen anything for a while, but mm-hmm. TV is, is very important to me because right. I can actually sit there and, you know, watch television while I Photoshop. Yeah, you know, yeah. and we have so many projects going at the moment that, Time is mm-hmm. um, is really critical, but 
Um, I, you know, that, that, what you just played then remind me a lot of, um, Vikings, you know, the intro credits. Oh, yes, yes. As well, it's got that thing. And I really love <laughs> this. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you don't see my face. Vikings. But no, no, that whole Travis intro, yeah. in addition Such to, to the, visuals, the visual, so beautiful, you know, yeah. it just, uh, it sets the tone to, to that whole show. And, oh, you know, intro, gosh. intro visuals and, and music for TV shows yeah. are so beautiful and, and yeah. critical to bring you into that world. And, yeah. Um, and it goes back to you know Bear's work with Walking Dead and everything that he does, oh, you know, yeah. like what he did on Battlestar is very, um, it's very compartmentalized. It, it, it that is the style that just broke him out, you know. Mm-hmm. But everything that he's done since then has been very different, you know. It's very diverse. Sales playing the hoodie yeah. dirty on the black, you know. Yeah. It's like That's I saw him play. I, I went to the Black Sales premiere at Comic Con of the pilot, and he actually played. The theme live with his orchestra oh, while the intro so cool. was playing of the show, cool. you know, at Comic Con, which is really. Cool. And he, I don't even know what the hell a hoodie gurdy is. It's a weird <laughs> freaking thing, but uh, you know, he's playing this this instrument, and it was just, it was just wild. But um, yeah, so uh, shows like like what he does in Walking Dead. I mean, well, he's yeah, one of my favorites. That, yeah, Walking you know. Dead. I mean, immediately, you know, that whole intro sets you up to be you feel really so stressed out. Yeah, you're yeah. really stressed yeah. out. You yeah. feel like you're on the run, yeah. and it elevates your sense of alertness, yeah. Yeah. so that you're, yeah, we yeah. are in an Absolutely. apocalyptic war and, right and now. It's it's the visuals; they do beautiful yeah. work on the, those really, you know, wild and eclectic yeah. visuals. And True Blood did that too. You know, that yes. was a song, and that just dragged you right into that wild, yeah. deep yeah. South voodoo, yeah. you know, shit. They it was did just yeah. crazy cool stuff. Yeah. You know? So I I actually I love television scores now a lot too. You know, um, yeah, and I. I find myself, um, you know, buying and downloading compilations of TV scores more than movie soundtracks these mm-hmm. days because I think that, again, that big cinematic feel is a bit of a lost art these days. Right. You know? um, and there's and, so much good content on TV yeah, right now yeah, with, with streaming, with, with cable and even some of the networks. There's yeah. a lot of people are getting a really big chance to work. Mm. And yeah. on the small screen, yeah, I mean, absolutely. like like Bear McCreary. I mean, all like you said, he's really diverse. I mean, he's mm. done Outlander. One of my yeah. favorite um, things he did is I love the show called Defiance that was yes. on Sci-Fi. Right. I don't know why I, they canceled that. Maybe it was too expensive. Great actors, and and it's it's a really epic story it's about this fun show. It is. You know, yeah. you've got these six races coming yeah. in and kind of taking over Earth, and that yeah. whole intro reflects it. Yeah. It's very. It's like we're we're Walking Dead. It's just like, okay, this is the mood you're in right yeah. now because you're trying to escape walkers, yeah. you know. But with Defiance, it was like this really epic kind of song because it yeah. was a really sh- – it was a show about big things, which yeah. uh, Rockney S. O'Bannon, who, yeah. who worked on that show, he writes big yeah. things, yeah. you know. But I agree with you. I, I, I love Defiance yeah. and, uh, yeah. and and SGU too. They both ended with a single person on a spaceship flying yeah. out into a Did you say SGU? <laughs> yeah. I think that was so underrated. I think I, I you know loved what? it. I just don't know. It was know. a great show. It was a good show. Man. I don't and, know because it was done so differently yeah. than Atlantis yes. and SG-1. Yeah, it, it was a little darker. Yeah. yeah. But it was that was a great yeah. show. And I wanted to see more of that. Same, and you know they were really beautifully developing a dear friend of mine's character, yeah. Mike Dopewood. You know, and yeah. uh, it was I was really looking forward to it. And I would know, have liked to see give more us four of, seasons, not come three. On. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like three yeah. seasons sucks. You know, really yeah, does. yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, I really enjoy um, the the beautiful soundtracks for TV shows. Yeah, and, um, you get to. You know that you you know if you really love that intro credit or whatever, like you see in a movie, you get to see it every week with a TV 
TV show. Yeah, you know? that's, that's a very good point. So, you get to enjoy the, it every week. The other two that I, I think, you know, a little bit out of the sci-fi genre, which I really, really love, that it, it, it's it's kind of like this kind of like this creepy bang in the beginning is the Americans, you know, like, oh. yeah. You were naming, like, and, all my favorite yeah, shows Americans right now. And, <laughs> so know, excited. Homeland, favorites of it. Westworld, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, Westworld. Oh, Game of Thrones, too. Game of Thrones, yeah. yeah. Game of Thrones. I, I didn't want to be cliche by mentioning Game well, of Thrones, but it is great. It is I only mention Game of Thrones because if you've seen it and you've seen it to the end of this past season, yeah. that last, the season finale, I won't say anything about it, but the music was completely different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And... And set you up for what was going to happen in that episode. Yeah. And it really made a huge difference of, um, you know, everything that yeah. proceeded throughout. Yeah. But it was just a totally different feel. Um, it, it was just a different change. It was a total different change. It was a different change of pace. Mm. What I loved about, um, you know, when, when somebody can create a song like that, like the intro to Game of Thrones, mm. that inspires so many other musicians yeah. to put their own videos on YouTube, like mm. these orchestras yeah. covering yeah. it. Oh, yeah. The song yeah all yeah, that kind of... Yeah. I mean, have, have you thought about doing that with a theremin, Evan? I did think of doing a Game yeah. of Thrones theme theremin, yeah. 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 Uh, haven't done it yet. <laughs> and I'm just... I'm laughing because Game of Thrones for me was another one that... That's a super uh, violent one. Oh, my God. And, That's a super well, violent I got, one. And yeah. getting back to the Battlestar Galactica, I, I actually thought about it. I went, if I stop Battlestar Galactica, why am I... I <laughs> I was well, so out on that show before the Red Wedding. So I was uh, yeah. I was quitting before it was cool. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, no, but I, there was a point where that one, too, I was kind of like, you know, when everyone was going, I can't take it anymore well, I mean, after the Red Wedding. Yeah, like, I mean, the beginning all the child of that, abuse and, yeah. you know, yeah. murdering a bunch of babies, that didn't bother you? You had to, but this yeah. does? But yeah, <laughs> What's this, I know. So that's one that where I'm kind of like, I finally I got that way this season with the this season opener of Walking Dead. I just, yeah. I was like, this is gratuitous. I mean, I know I'm watching violence every week, but this was just a little it was, too yeah. much. And I, I love Greg Nicotero. I was like, I was yeah. I can't watch this, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's I'm, just I'm not feeling good. It's not like the day of the dead and yeah, you know, yeah. the living dead where it was fun. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it was hard to watch Walking yeah. Dead. I, I persevered and it's it's still been great, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh but, you know, and you know, there are, you know, we have actors from that show in my book and so I'm sort of gotta hang in there and uh, <laughs> but there was this season when I started watching it and I um It I was, lost a lot of people with that first yeah, episode. A lot hard. of people were just like, Whoa. Yeah. I'm trying to. There was. I saw somebody's tweet about it. That was great. It was basically something of we were watching this to see the best in people, not the worst in people. Mm. Something ah, like that. That's, where, that's interesting. Where uh, because to me that's one of the issues that I started to have with the whole genre of even like Day of the Dead is a great mm. example where it's 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 interesting that the people you're fearing the most are actually mm. not the zombies anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's the but you still have hope because there are still good people. Yeah, and and it's not. There's still an underlying sort of unsaid thing that that there is hope and that humanity perseveres and that the good things persevere. Mm-hmm. And and st- what started to be a problem for me with Game of Thrones is, to me, I, the more I would watch that show, it's basically going, you know what? Life is fucked and everyone's an asshole <laughs> and everyone's brutal and horrible <laughs> and no one has any morality whatsoever. It's, so you might as well just kill you are, yourself. Something bad is going to happen well, to you. Yeah, yeah, all the yeah. good people get killed. No <laughs> good deed is rewarded. Every asshole's... Welcome to the, Hollywood. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the but United like, States. But, but the reality is, yes, there are. Yes, exactly. Oh, no. but, now I'm going to cry. But I know. at the same time, you know, it's just that's just an overstatement of how bad things are. Yes, yes, yes. there have always been yes, assholes. That's, yeah. that's why it's Humanity a is a fucked up yeah, beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also has the good points. And yeah. what happens is I think the genre has skew, had skewered to ignoring any good point whatsoever. Mm. They also started to love, you know, 
John Carpenter gave us so many things. One of them was what my friend called the oh fuck ending mm. <laughs> with Halloween, right? And so, uh-huh. oh, that's, so, so, so many horror movies would end with, and it's fucked. Yeah. So like no good guy wins and it's totally bleak. <laughs> and so after a while, it's just like, it, yeah. it's like, what, uh, I had a hard day at work. I paid attention to what's going on politically and it's depressing and horrible. So now I'm going to, Unwind, and this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got a bit depressed. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to watch a bunch of dystopian shows. And they're just it makes me think me. of that movie, yeah. uh, Sullivan's Travels, the old George Cougar oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's like he wants to find the great truth. He's a director. He wants to find the great mm-hmm. truth, and he goes and lives the life of a hobo, and then he finds the, the, what those guys want is a goofy cartoon because they're living it. Yeah. They don't need you to tell them how depressing their life is. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite aware. So, yeah, th- that would ring in my head with some of that stuff. <laughs> Claudia, do you have another offering? Yeah. Um, well, I had somebody tweet at me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to actually go use the restroom Let's while you take this up. Uh, unfortunately, I, I opted for letting you know that I love beautiful craft beer, so yes. I've drank a lot of beer instead of a little bit of tequila. So I need to, <laughs> I need to take that's going to drink a beer. I've already, I've, I've already been up twice. I'll be back. <laughs> I've already been up twice. Um, someone tweeted at me, and I thought that was this was funny that they brought this up because I love this director and I love his movies. But the side of at the side of my face tweeted. The score to Suspiria ruined the movie for me. I thought it was aggressively annoying. I don't know. Interesting. Which I thought was interesting. I'm a big Dario Argento fan. I love uh-huh. his horror movies. You know, he's, well, he's made movies from the 70s all the way up until pretty recently. Right. Um, he scored Suspiria himself along with um, a band that he often uh, um, uh, worked with called Goblin. They're an mm-hmm. Italian rock band. Um but it's interesting to me because the score to Suspiria, I think, fits perfectly with it. I also like Suspiria because it was a horror movie. Uh, I used to be a ballet dancer, and it's set in a ballet school. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. Uh-huh. They're also remaking it with Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton is... They're remaking Suspiria? I know, I know. But Tilda Swinton... See if that uh, person likes how it is now with whatever <laughs> score they give it compared to I know, Goblin. it's not going to be the same. Um, but I think I thought it was very interesting because it is annoying, it is aggravating, but I think it's supposed to be. It's supposed yeah. to be jarring and it's supposed to be, there's some synthesizer to it, there's some opera to it, there's a manic um, string sections at some point. Uh, but for me, it fits in with the... the what, is, what is that noise? Is, is it, that? Isn't it a bug? It's a phone. Oh, oh it's, your, <laughs> it's your phone. But it was like, dun, 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 No, I thought dun, it was like a, a fly. No, I thought it Speaking of scores. <laughs> Speaking of scores. Okay, anyway. Uh, sorry. But That's I thought no that problem. was interesting that they thought it was, and, and she went, or uh, uh, whoever uh, tweeted said, went on to say that they have to mute the end of the movie to, to finish it. Really? Which I think is hilarious. I don't, uh, not, I guess it's not That's, hilarious, but... Interesting to me. Yeah, it bothers them that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. But he, uh, I liked all of his scores for his movie. I thought, you know, I liked that sort of, which like Stranger Things has sort of borrowed, you know, the yeah. synthesizer in uh-huh. there. Um, the Newton Brothers who scored See No Evil 2. There uh-huh. you go, Kai. <laughs> um, it, which I'll lead, I'll, I'll lead into that a little bit. I love, I love the Newton brothers. They did see No Evil too, and that was one of my, one of my favorite parts of that movie. Kai was in this horror movie a few years ago, um, and that was one of my favorite parts of the movie because they really captured that like '80s slasher sort of um, feel. 
But what I really love them doing is I've talked about this horror movie before called Hush. It's on Netflix. You have talked about that one. Yeah, and I yeah. recently met the director, his wife, who's also the lead um, actress in the movie, Mike Flanagan and Katie Siegel. But the, the Newton brothers did the score for Hush, and it's fantastic because there's about 15 minutes of dialogue in the entire movie, and that's oh, it. Oh, wow. It's about this woman who's deaf and mute, and she's a writer, and it's like this thriller slasher kind of a movie. Uh-huh. So there's literally 15 minutes of dialogue, and the rest is just action and music. Uh-huh. And to me, it was fascinating. I loved it, especially coming from a dance background where you don't talk. It's all about yeah. the music, and it's yeah. all about the physicality. I loved it. I loved it. And so the I Newton Brothers, to see I that. Think, you brought that up so many times. And I, I know. I love it. it. I haven't seen it. And I met them, and I think they were really shocked that I knew who they were, because I was like, <laughs> I love you guys so much. This movie was amazing. Kai and I, and then I, I, I made Kai watch it. And he and they also made this movie for like $70,000. And it's beautiful. Mm. And Kai and I watched it. We were like, what? How did they shoot this? this is, yeah, so. Wow. But then, yeah, it's now. one of those movies that like the whole film is just beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. The music is fantastic. So, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to bring up uh, one more TV one and then I want to listen to some of uh, uh Evans uh sound sound bites that, that, that he brought in. And I'm bringing up this one just in case Dennis watched it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Did and do you know what I'm going to bring up? The show I always bring up every single episode. Which one? Oh, which one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, I love the 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 intro the, to Farscape. Okay, yeah, yeah. Did you mm-hmm. ever watch Farscape? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I loved Farscape. So many um yeah. Memories yeah. 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 And that it's one of my favorite shows. And, and the interesting thing is they changed their intro on the third season. Like in, in the beginning, mm. it was um, it's so, you know, you have a human thrown into go through a wormhole into a whole new civilization. He did this all aliens. Um, and so it's love uh, a tribal chanting. And it's so mm-hmm. got this weird female lyric going on. It's almost screechy. The, the 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 woman's voice and um and it's perfect for like I don't know where I am I'm scared these people are all yeah. they're literally Crazy. aliens aliens to me but as he gets to know these people on this prison ship that kind of adopted him um so by the third season they had the same tribal chanting but they made the woman's voice a little more um I'm not sure if I'm using this correctly a little more melodic because his intro at that point is he's become friends with a lot of these people. Uh, so it's not as scary yeah. as it used to be. It's still pretty scary because he's in the middle of a war. Yeah. But um, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, that music. And it's, it's, it's by a group called Subvision who came up with it. And the network said no. But Brian, Rock Nass O'Bannon, that's another one of his. But Brian Hens- Brian Henson production too, he fought for it. Um, because oh, nice. they 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 thought they didn't they didn't want the feminine part in the yeah. intro song. And the thing Stupid about Farscape ladies. is everyone every female on that show is super super strong. There are no yeah weak, there are <laughs> there, there there are no weak women yeah. on that show. And so Brian Henson fought for it to make sure that the male and the female uh, voices were at the same place were equal. Yeah, that yeah. Is hilarious. What a hilarious note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a, and that Just, somebody that, funny? that somebody actually so, put to paper or said through course. their yeah. own mouth. <laughs> I, we don't want we don't want the lady. It's too lady. Yeah. It's too lady. Oh yeah, but that I love. Oh man, Farscape is a a, a, a great a show. Great show. The closing <laughs> credits were were really good too. So play us something, Evan. What should we listen to? 
Well, uh, in coming here, I just kind of went through like what stuff influenced me, what was cool to me. And so one of my favorite horror scores I have here is a couple samples of is the second Exorcist movie, Exorcist Which 2, I've never seen. The Heretic. Really? Oh, you should watch all of the Exorcist. Really? Yeah. And I've never seen the second one. Um, I haven't seen any of the ones after the second one, actually. I've seen the first one a bunch and the, and, and the second one quite a few times now. I've gone through different periods where I've just done How like, many are they all now? the series. How many are there now? Three yeah, or four? That's got to be yeah, there's, like, there's a lot of exorcisms. There's a TV and, show now. And now oh, they well. have the whole series, right? Have well, you seen the, like, the, series, no, no, no. the new series? Oh, that's a good series. It's it a really good series, oh, cool. yeah. Tina Davis? I was surprised. Oh, it's, oh, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really I was good. interested. I haven't had a chance it's to see really it yet. It's really good. But the, uh, the Exorcist to the Heretic is a John Borman movie who did Excalibur and a bunch yeah. of... He's a great oh, director. Yeah. I love his stuff. I loved Excalibur, too. Oh, yeah. Who has every famous British actor ever in it. Yes. <laughs> it's the first VHS tape I ever pirated. Really? Excalibur, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's another DVD story with me. Is I, I was like, I got it, and it's got the commentary on it, and oh, boy, most boring commentary ever. Oh, right. oh really? Uh, for this shot, we oh. set up the camera and pointed it. And <laughs> oh. long really? It's Excalibur, oh, yeah. man. Come on. It's the coolest movie ever. This was, is what you got. He was hungover the next day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, but... So now Exorcist to the Heretic, a friend of mine, and, and I didn't realize at first, when I first saw it, uh, I should have gone on it immediately because I was already an Ennio Morricone freak. The score is by Ennio Morricone. Oh, nice. And, um, and then I, when I saw that, I'm like, well, yeah, now I'm yeah. Into it. But this friend of mine really wanted me to see it just basically uh, from kind of a stoner bait perspective <laughs> um, because the movie makes very little sense. It's very <laughs> visual. It's got crazy imagery that you're like, I, that's cool looking. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Why is James Earl Jones spitting up a cherry pit in slow motion? I don't know what's happening here. And, um, but the score is great. It's got, so it ranges from, it's mid seventies or late seventies, I guess, maybe. I don't know the year of it, but the, you have, let me see if this is even coming up. It starts slow. You've got this beautiful theme for her. This is Ray's theme. Oh, oh. Scout. He doesn't like it. It's Scout written for like dog it. and orchestra. <laughs> and he did not Scout's like it. Scout's hearing stuff on a hollow level. Yeah. But, <laughs> so kind of creepy, okay. beautiful, but kind of childlike. Which is like, you think of her character as this poor kid yeah. who's possessed. So then it goes from that that sort of beauty. Yeah, there's kind of like this little innocence about it. Yeah. Yeah. And this was also, I think, before. Um, I mean, reading some Morricone interviews, uh, he hadn't. Done, he did, there was like a big period where he did no American films, and I really? think it was because he found out he was getting paid crap. Well, like everywhere else on the planet, he's the maestro and he's yeah, the guy. Absolutely. And he comes here and they're paying him like they'd pay me. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, sir. Like, <laughs> man. Um, so then there's, there's stuff like this. Crazy avant-garde. You're in the pits of hell kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> Like Dante, it's Inferno. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a great track. That's like six minutes of this. It's wonderful. Six, yeah, six minutes? minutes. Yeah, it's called Night Flight. 
Could you imagine but, if you accidentally left it on while you were sleeping? With noise cancel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See how this affects your dream. You this is what up? they should have played in Dumbo when he goes to his... Now, <laughs> it's the elephant with the big ears. Yes. Um, but the best part of the movie is the end credits. <laughs> Not just because it's over, but because you hear this. You're like, and we're out. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I'm playing it on my laptop doesn't quite do this. It's just big fat drum sound, crazy this stuff, <laughs> like what the orchestration is for that. I see like a lot of dancers and like doodle cards. Now, this was also used for local comedy fans by uh, Jim Turner and Mark Fite when they do uh, their, what's it called? Uh, Sachet, I think is what their, is that what their thing is called? When they do the the psychic, (laughs) it's a crazy old bit they do to this music. And he bends spoons in time with the whip. It's a great score if you can find it. Exorcist 2. Oh yeah, there's more hell. Six minutes. Um, <laughs> Six minutes of hell. So, yeah, I wasn't sure uh, how much if you guys wanted to have played stuff, so I brought a couple of things. The other thing that was a big score that I played a bunch was Clockwork Orange. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh, wow. The, well, the anything Wendy Stanley Carlos Kubrick, stuff. Yeah. like, his his scores were mm-hmm. always iconic. You yeah. Know? And and Wendy Carlos's work on that is amazing. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, uh, the title theme. I mean, the synth sounds that she got are so cool so and this is a originally a Purcell piece that she readapted for this another great movie and the score for that is amazing so yeah again this is synth stuff predating Blade Runner and I love this but Blade Runner is still well Legion is kind of doing that too like Mm. so Legion the TV show Mm. has a great uh, soundtrack and it just dropped dropped today, um, but it has, it borrows a lot from that. Um, I think the composer Jeff Russo is he was Emmy nominated for the Fargo um, scores, but um, he did this one and he borrows a lot from that. Like the, it's interesting. You can see him. There's some seventies like that that um, opera stuff behind it, or you there's a, there's some synthesizer behind it. But they made a big deal, a big production to drop this Legion soundtrack today because it is very unique and very unusual, I think. Yeah, the a show, it, it, show. Or a, super, a superhero show is yeah, basically what uh, it is. What network is it on? It, I believe FX. it's FX. I believe it's FX. And it's, it's a great it's, show. The soundtrack is really, really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I, you got to stick with it a little bit because sometimes you're sacrificing... Um, the story yeah. just for looking pretty. But I, I yeah, but, but I will it's, say it's stunning. Thing, it's I, stunning. I will say that the music keeps me interested more yeah. than anything. I do love what, and everybody has their theme, and I love a theme for a character. You know, like you know, Leia has a theme, and Lois has a theme. So yeah, like David has this theme when he's a child, and David has a theme when he's older. And what, what you just played, I Evan? Mean, I don't know why it made me think of this, but um. The in Doctor Who, do you ever watch Doctor Who? Okay, There's, sadly, not okay. near enough. I've oh, only seen well, some you, of one of the middle. You know, they when, when the TARDIS ones. is traveling, it mm-hmm. makes that sound. Do you know how they did that? Um, 
they somebody uh, the person opened up a piano and took their house keys and drug uh. it across the the <laughs> piano wires yeah. to make to make that iconic TARDIS wow. yeah. TARDIS awesome. sound. <gasps> Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I love stuff like that. It's really yeah. like that kind of found sound. I, do you experiment a lot with your music? Or? I, do, I do. I try to do all kinds of weird things. I mean, actually, I do uh, for um, Stand Against Evil, I do open yeah. up the piano a lot. There's a lot of the string stuff with a pick uh-huh. and scraping on them sometimes. And um, yeah. Well, we are, we're kind of running out of time here. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Um, you're on a desert island. <laughs> You can have three, three soundtracks. What? Dennis, I know one of yours is going to be Blade Runner. <laughs> okay. Do we need a second to think about this uh-huh. or should I just say one? It's no, three, two, one. It's a, it's a funny question because, you know, I, you know, my feeling about Blade Runner uh-huh. film is like if, you know, I'm on a desert island and I have a DVD player and there's one movie, that's the film that I'll That's the one you're going to keep. Yeah. Again and again. So, um, but again, it, it comes to the, the grandness that um, uh, that music brings into uh, a movie, and uh, I don't know that I, I'm on the spot with three, but I'm, I'm again. I just go back to what I, I I enjoy, and I really enjoyed, you know, the M eighty three Olivian. You know, it's yeah. something that was um, certain songs in that, you know, like um, that that were just really um, evocative and big in yeah. that film. You know, they it just felt like the world, it built the world. Well, you're actually making me think of something else. I I think I shouldn't have said Desert Island. Mm. You're in your own dystopian story. Yes. (laughs) You are the star of your own dystopian, apocalyptic story. Oh, it's dystopian. That's That's different. See, Desert Island could be pleasant. That's what I'm saying. So you're in the United States in 2017. If you're in your own dystopian story, you mean like now? (laughs) (laughs) Would you take Oblivion with you? Yes, probably, yeah. Yeah. It's, um... It's and it's funny that these these things these soundtracks on these films that really appeal to us are dystopian. Yeah. Or, you know, I you know I grew up like you know my first uh, you know probably the super early sci-fi's that I, I was ever um, sort of affected by and, and grew into were things like Planet of the Apes, the Charlton Heston mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. um, the Amiga Man, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 S- Silent Running. Oh, you know, Silent uh, Running. Yeah. and Green. You know, they they're kind of like you know. Those are the films that built it for me, and they were like, you know, mm-hmm. they were panoramic in their, um, in their the film ratio, and they felt huge, and and the music was all part of it, you know, like yeah. when they're that when they first land on the planet, and there's that weird sort of sound, you know, I, I can't describe it right now, but the Planet of the Apes, it was yeah. like it was yeah. like it, it was it puts you there, it really mm-hmm. put you there. Sound, everything I do visually with my photography and, and everything is about sound. I always listening to music. To, to sort of influence right. how I, I shoot and how I post produce, you know, mm-hmm. it's why I love it so much, and it's why I get so involved with what um, Jamie Witten does here as well. And it's funny we just talk a lot about Blade Runner. I'll just quickly touch on this, but um, you know, Edward James Elmos is a very dear friend of mine. He was a person that was instrumental for uh, me being uh, allowed to stay on the set of Battlestar Galactica. Oh wow! In the, in the early days, because I was I wasn't a hired photographer on that show. I was a bit of a ring in. Uh, towards the end when it was a closed set and there was n- nobody was allowed visually on that set uh, other than the film crew because they didn't want to, anybody to know who the final five were. Exactly. So, yeah, that would be So, you know, yeah. you had this this most incredible time where, mm-hmm. you know, major characters were dying and, and so forth and uh, 
So documentary crews, even set photographers, weren't allowed on set. And here's this some guy from Australia has turned up on the, on the <laughs> final three episodes and holding um, this camera. You know, yeah, <laughs> and, and it was like these are really important moments that are happening, and nobody's documenting them outside of the shots being done. You know, so right. Um, uh, that was a point where you know I was invited on set by Michael Reimer uh, and the director, and um, and then I'm you know Eddie's like come up to me and this guy that I've watched, you know, a thousand times on Blade Runner and, yeah. you know, he's like, you know, come up to me and said, you got to do me a favor. And, you know, I'm like, you know, the the kid that works at Krusty Burger, you know, going, <laughs> my voice is cracking. You know? That's what it was like. You know, so this is the first time when I met Eddie, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, you know, I've been told you're a photographer, you got to do me a favor. And it's like, you know, so, uh, and, you know, he charged me with not letting a moment go by in the next six weeks that isn't documented. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So, you know, you've got people from Sci-Fi and NBC going, what the fuck is this guy on set getting uh-huh. on set, get this photographer, who's authorised this? And it's like... Uh, the star of the show? Ed, Ed, <laughs> yeah. Eddie says it's okay. And it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and that's why, you know, I, I shot over 10,000 images of those last days. You know, oh, Mary that's McDonald's amazing. scenes and things like that, you know, which will eventually come out in the book. I oh, I can't wait to um, see. I certainly but, can't uh, wait um, so, to you know, see that. So, um, you know, there, there are these incredible moments that, um, uh, you know, have come together uh, to, you know, bring bring together this book that I've got and, um, you know, it, it all started with Battlestar. Eddie and and of course we've you know I've come full circle in this time when I was watching that show back in Australia where I had no idea that I'd have any involvement with it in 2003 when that miniseries started mm. to to the point of um, you know uh, meeting this actor who I watched in Blade Runner who's now become you know one of my dearest friends and you know and such an inspiration to me yeah and, and the godfather of my book right as well and uh, that's amazing and then you know to Watch Blade Runner recently again, and um, decide to with with Witten, who's here at the moment, record this the only lyrical song in the movie, uh, so beautifully that when Eddie heard it, he agreed to do the spoken word part of it and the duet part of the end of it. You know, are you um, guys going to? What are you planning to do with that? You're going to release that, or um, so that others yeah, can enjoy it, or no, we can hear it. Yeah, or, it's, or you don't know yet. It's so beautiful. I mean, I, I really, I, I'd love to play it for you guys if you don't mind we go but yeah um, you know it's uh it's something that we will we will release close to the release of the film but mm-hmm. we're we're definitely talking about um doing a live uh with with a number of other things um at the book launch which will be in the next month so um, uh, i'm very excited for people to hear it because awesome it's i'm excited to hear it that's great evan what, what what's your soundtrack for your own dystopian story so uh now is, is it just, should we stay to horror, sci-fi, sci-fi Whatever or does you choose. it matter? Like, well, it doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. So your top what 100. do you feel most comfortable with? Yeah. So living in the dystopia, I'd say, well, <laughs> the uh, the score of the mission makes me feel a little oh better. Oh, my God, yeah. That thing's that was, beautiful. Yeah, I forgot about that one. It's a totally Amazing. gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah. Um, when that came out, by the way, that made my head explode because I'd been collecting Morricone stuff for years and years, and I'd gotten to the point where, you know, okay, there's the Western stuff, there's the Italian comedies, there's the Giallo films, and you kind of got it in a genre and you feel like you got them figured out. Like, oh, it's another one that sounds like that. That's cool. All right. And then the mission comes out and you're like, what? It's a whole new thing. Great. Yeah. I mean, there's elements in it that are like other scores of his, but it was just holy moly. So that one. Um, uh, 
we kind of skirted over it because I think they were, it's, everyone's like, of course, Star Wars. But I, the score to The Empire Strikes Back in particular yeah. for me yeah. is such a warm fuzzy. Yeah. Because it, come, it, it comes with, obviously, it's just great. Yeah. But it also, there, that movie also has a particular mood to it. And there's a thing of, I don't know, there's movies hit at a, I'm sure for now, like I'm watching my kids go through it with Harry Potter. And I think the kids just older than them who really experienced Harry Potter as they came out. See, that's something that I think no one will ever get as well as those people who ever came, who was, who aged with Harry Potter as it yeah. grew. Yeah. See, because that is a big thing of it. People are so fanatic about Star Wars. And part of it is like, you see Star Wars, like when you're a kid, like me, and, uh, you're like, great. Then the second one comes out, you're like, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. And now I look back on it and I've seen them all again. And I, I used to be one of these, like the best Star Wars movies, Empire Strikes Back. You don't even have to make an argument. Now I go back and I go, actually the first one, the original Star yeah, Wars is pretty yeah. much the best one. And it's not that Empire Strikes Back isn't as great. It's like, yeah, when you're a teenager, you think that's a heavy, mature movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, and no, it's yeah. still kind of comic booky. It's great, it's fun, but uh, and, and all that. But if you're gonna go comic booky, the original one still is the mm-hmm. best. It is, and um, and it's a weird thing now to see how they've evolved into the yeah. very serious. And again, that was a big epiphany for me watching episode seven with my kids and watching the, <laughs> their little faces like, uh, and that, you know, they'd seen the prequels and everything, although they hadn't seen episode three, which is the other PG-13 one. I didn't realize it was PG-13. Bad well, Rogue One. Did you take kids to see Rogue One? No, I'm not. Oh, sure. no, I was, was going to say, parents need to know what happens in that movie. No, Rogue One oh, yeah. And here's, yeah. here's the thing that. that's sad yeah. to me. My kids had no interest. Oh, they don't really? care about Star Wars. It, I had a different what? Star Wars T-shirt for every day of the week. I yeah. know. They love Harry I Potter. I currently have a different Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> they were starting to get into it. And then by the time when they saw episodes, eh, they, they, they weren't like freaked out. They were like, meh. Yeah. They yeah. just, because I think by making it so much of a, trying to be so grown up with it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, you take away the kid audience. It makes sense. As opposed to it being yeah. like, this gives me a warm fuzzy from my childhood. Mm-hmm. The kids are kind of like, well, there's better things for me than yeah. this. Yeah. So yeah. my kids aren't so into Star Wars. But Empire Strikes Back still makes it on my list. And um, <laughs> Blade Runner would probably be a, a Desert yeah. Island one for me. The other real quick um, electronic score that does not get its due is Apocalypse Now. To mm-hmm. me, that's right up there with Blade Runner. When they right. finally released, there was another score that didn't get released. Just the electronic music from it that you don't yeah. really hear that much. A lot of it's uh-huh. buried and it's mixed. There's other stuff that I think one of the guys from Grateful Dead contributed. It's a bunch of, which is also really cool, like the primal yeah. rhythmic stuff. But the stuff that I think it's Carmine Coppola, right? Mm, yeah. His electronic stuff on that is right. totally wild and great. So I think for me, um, God, what, what my dystopian soundtrack? Well, because the, the argument I have with my husband, this is a this is a real thing. The argument I have with my husband: if the apocalypse comes, you know, are we survivors? And I, I said, well, I think I I'm going to be totally Shirley's Theron from the road. Where I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna curl up in a ball and let myself die, you know. And, and, and it really upset my husband. He's like, "Wait, we're not gonna fight? We gotta fight? You can't leave me alone. You can't." I was like, "Oh, oh. Like, it was a really intense discussion over." And I know this you, really happens. Yeah, no, it is. It was an intense discussion over some some wine, and um, and so I was like, "Okay, so um, just because I have." You guys, I have asthma. I've got a lot of issues that may, where, where my inhalers may not be readily available in the apocalypse. So I need to be careful. But I think, you know, so I don't know. But I think I'm just going to go with what we've been talking about the whole time and just 
<laughs> the but use BSG just because I love the um yeah. the, the drums and in, in, in that a lot. Claudia, what about you? You're just picking one? What? You're just picking one? I'm just picking one, yeah. Okay. We're running out of time. We're, uh, we're, we're, we... Well, I mean, I guess I have to Okay. What I would do is I would take my John Williams compilation that I had as a kid, my compilation album, and that would be my Dystopia That's good. Yeah, That's a great uh, choice. Because yeah. I had, we listened to it constantly, but it had, you know, the highlights from Star Wars, it had the highlights from Superman, it had the highlights from Jaws, and it had the highlights from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jurassic Park had oh, so come out because I'm super old. So you get to um, pull from a lot of Yeah, so we had like a few options, and but it was our favorites from like, you know, it had Leia's theme, and like I said before, Lois's theme, but... It had, you know, oh, and Indiana Jones was on there as well. So it had like a great, it was a great compilation of all these movies. I really like Lord of the Rings, but does that count because it's fantasy? I mean, that'd be yeah, nice just to have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a super boring movie. That's a little bit. Oh, if, if what? You, you have a little bit of the wishing for more wishes if you do that. You go, oh, I know. Okay, so you're supposed to have one desert island disc or whatever, but you go, well, the Lord of the Rings box set? Yeah. <laughs> A lot more time to kill that way. Commentary. John Williams box set. How does that count? Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Dennis, can you tell us when is Man of Science science Fiction going to be available to the public? Man of Science Fiction. Man of Science Fiction. Audrey wants a man of Science Fiction. Perfect man. Book of one man. Of Science Fiction. 188 pages of one man of Science Fiction. Well, we could, yeah. Um, the, the book <laughs> yeah, that could happen. It's, it's, it, it, we, we've just received delivery of it um, in the last week. So um, as soon as we uh, get those done, we're, you know, it was a Kickstarter. You have to give it to your back. Kickstarter yeah. backers um, first, but right? But it technically yeah. is available for pre-order now, even though it's not a pre-order because we have it. We have it in stock. We uh, are able Where can we go to, to pre-order? Uh, if you go to um, uh, www. Do we even say that anymore? You don't have to. I don't think you have to say that. It's uh, dennisillick.com. That's (laughs) D-E-N-N-Y-S-I-L-I-C.com. You'll be able to go to Books in Print and find a place to order it uh, or pre-order it there. It's a a book for photography aficionados as well as as people that are into sci-fi. As I said, the the kind of the the godfather of the book for us is Edward James Elmos or for me in particular – um, and uh, there's 188 pages of, um, of, of people from, you know, like, uh, you know, we have Game of Thrones, we mm-hmm. have uh, Walking Dead and, you know, going back to Stargate, um, you know, Eureka, everything, Battlestar Galactic. Oh, lots, wow. of battle, lots of Battlestar Galactic. It all started with BSG for of me. Of course. I'm here right now because of that show and because right. of people like Eddie and Harvey Fran. Um, so, uh, and, and then we, we launch it April 22nd. We have our launch in, in Hollywood for it. And, uh, and from there we'll, we'll be, uh, it'll be available in store at places like Leica, uh, the Leica Gallery in West Hollywood, oh, nice. um, and so forth. So, and we'll, we'll, we'll be in bricks and mortar stores eventually as well. That's fantastic. And then we'll, we'll get on to women of sci-fi. Uh-huh. Uh, I was just talking to Mary McDonald today, and she's going to be the the oh, linchpin of women of sci-fi, and so, cool. uh, so that's going to be a really cool book as well. So it was really funny during the Kickstarter. Everybody's like, "Oh my god, we're so excited about men of sci-fi," but we're more excited about you doing a women of sci-fi. Yeah. So that's that's the next one. So. Where can we find you on the social medias? Uh, the social medias uh, with uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's uh, uh, you know, I had a lot of a lot of fake people taking up my real name, so 
Um, my Instagram is Denny Den, which is D-E-N-N-Y-D-E-N-N. Same with Twitter. And, uh, you know, if you, if you kind of just, if you Google the name Dennis with a double N and a Y instead of the traditional, so D-E-N-N-Y-S, if you uh-huh. just Google that name, you'll find me everywhere on Facebook. Find you Twitter everywhere. And all that sort of stuff. Awesome. Evan, where can we find you on the, the social medias? Uh, I'm, I think just use Evan Schletter for everything. E-B-A-N. And it's E-B-A-N because yes. I tweeted out something today with E-B-E-N because I'm an idiot. I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. My name's weird. It's me. It means my name is a cursed name that my parents should have thought more about before they gave me. Because <laughs> <laughs> even when you look at it, you miss it. Oh, even? No. Why wouldn't it be pronounced even? It should have been. Anyway, um, it's Evan, E-B-A-N, Schletter, S-C-H-L-E-T-T-E-R. Um, I have a website, evanschletter.com, and I'm on Twitter under that name. There's not a whole lot of Evan Schletter, so I think if you search yeah, Twitter yeah, and yeah. Facebook and all that. Um, and we can find you on, Spontane- on Spontaneous Spontaneous Nation. Nation. Anywhere else? You'll see me there. And I just brought back my own podcast, Fantastical Musicorium. Yes. Oh, so good. And um, cool. let's see how long I can keep it up before work kicks in and, and, <laughs> and makes me uh, not be able to do it anymore. But uh, yeah, just just this week as we're recording this uh, was the first episode back in three years. Oh, nice. Oh, great. And I'll be doing it every other week for uh, a while. Cool. So. Uh, you guys can find me at Audrey Kearns, K-E-A-R-N-S, on Twitter and Instagram. Please check out geekgirlauthority.com for all your nerd news and pop culture news. Uh, check out Booze and Phasers. That's where you can follow us on Twitter. Give us And check it out on iTunes. Give us a review and rating, why don't you? Please do. We'd like to hear from you. And also, we love taking uh, suggestions from our listeners for ideas for shows. So please tweet at us or Facebook us. Claudia. Um, at Claudia Dolph across the board. Um, yes, please subscribe and review Booze and Phasers. Uh, check out Geek Girl Authority for all sorts of things. Um, even if you're not a sci-fi fan per se, or if you have a mother who's in her 50s or 60s and is Mexican and loves Edward James Olmos uh, <laughs> and stand and deliver like my mother, uh, she would appreciate this book I as well. I love Stand and Deliver. Oh, no, my mother is Mexican and she is a teacher. Well, no, but okay, as a white James lady, like I her. love that movie. <laughs> yeah. They, like, we, when I was in high school, because that's how old I am, I'm totally dating myself. <laughs> um, they sent us all to the auditorium oh, yeah. to watch to watch Stand and Deliver. Oh, yeah, my mother's like, yeah, we will watch this. Yes, and, and plus Miami Vice was super big in Florida, where oh. I'm from. So <laughs> yeah. that was another place to see. Edward. We actually have Edward James almost candy bars. Well, oh, my mom would like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, she would. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's... Shirley Ann wants it. And so fantastic. Oh, <laughs> also, uh, next week, um, for you comic book fans out there, I'm, I'm going to have an interview on my other podcast, Neil Before Odd, with Craig Kyle. Yeah. He is responsible for, he is the creator of X23, Laura Kinney from, yes. from Logan. So um, hear that. And did, did anyone bring a quote? I totally forgot. So I'm just going to go to one of my go-tos and, and say, Infinite diversity and infinite combinations, which is a Vulcan <laughs> say. Yeah. There you go. Did anyone else bring a quote? I, I did. Yes, uh, Evan. From the movie Dark Star. Yes. Uh-huh. Sergeant Pinback says to the alien, now it's time to go sleepy by, you worthless piece of garbage. Dennis, did you bring anything? I, I did not bring a quote because I wasn't told to bring a quote. But oh. I have a quote in my head all the time. Which Let's is hear the it. Quote of of everybody's life all the time, and uh, about another iconic actor who I'm dying to photograph and and dearly love, and that's Peter Weller oh, from the yes. iconic and probably. <laughs> 
let's just trash every sci-fi movie ever made and say yeah. Buckaroo Banzai is the oh best film gosh. ever made. Yeah. No matter where you go, yeah. I'm with there you, you are. Um, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, best quote ever. Yeah, yeah. Claudia? Well, I don't have a quote. Um, what I do is I just ask my um, crush, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, tweet at me. You know, one day he will. We're twenty. I, we're twenty nine episodes in. Twenty nine episodes in. Um, I totally watched that DS Nine thing you did, and that was pretty cool. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we could just follow each other. And I do like your wife too. I've watched General Hospital. Jeannie Francis. Jeannie Francis. It's amazing. Please. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on episode twenty nine <laughs> of Losers. And now, you guys, enjoy this song composed and performed by Evan Schletter as we it's going to start playing right now oh, the yes, theme yes. oh right oh my god I have to do no, so. I, know, I already gave it to you <laughs>